0: This is really the land of the number eight wire, creativity, ingenuity, and uh, people tend to collect things as well. A culture where we just need to be very resourceful because we are very few people, you know, across quite a large landscape. And so you may not have access to parts or resources or means or funds, you know, to buy any new items. So I think we are actually a culture where that creativity and ingenuity has been fostered.
1: Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering, and I make a monthly podcast for The Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. In February's episode of The Restart Project podcast, we are going forward in time and across the globe to talk to members and partners of the repair network RCANZ. Repair Café Aotearoa, New Zealand. We have four guests joining us on our panel to represent some of the diversity and partnership that is intrinsic to this network. Brigitte Zistic is the co-founder and project lead of Repair Café Aotearoa, New Zealand. Kaharangi Kata is national coordinator for Maori Zero Waste organisation Parekore. Sarah Pritchett is Section Projects Manager for WasteMins, and Dr. Paul Smith is Product Test Manager for Consumer New Zealand. Whilst Aotearoa New Zealand may be far away, our visions of what a repair ecosystem should look like are closer to each other than you might think.
2: Inuitato. Fakataka te kite ki te uru, whakataka te ki te tonga. kina kine ki uta, kama mā tara tara ki tai. E hi ake ana te atakura, he teo, he huka, he hauhu, That was a karakia or a prayer. Just to start our intentions together. We're all in separate places, so it brings us together, it grounds us and connects us back to Ranginui and Papatuanaku, our Sky Father and our Earth Mother.
1: Wonderful. And I'm speaking to you all from the past. I'm 13 hours in the past, so I'm in the evening of the day before, which is a strange position to be in, but quite kind of delightful as well. Today's episode is going to be a little bit more like a panel because we've got lots of voices. So to start off, let's hear who those voices are.
0: My name is Birgit Zistik. I live in Aotearoa. I am originally from Germany and here, fortunately, for a very long time. And uh, I'm involved in uh, Repair Cafe Aotearoa New Zealand as a co-founder and a project lead. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation today. I've also
2: invited my colleagues. Kia ora, I'm Kahurangi. I work at Parakore. Parakore literally translates to zero waste in Māori. If you're not aware, Māori are the indigenous people of Aotearoa New Zealand. And we always start with our pepeha, so we honour our whakapapa back to our sky father, Ranginui, and our earth mother, Papa Tuānuku, and it is respecting our genealogy back to the mountains and the oceans and the rivers. At Parakure, we advocate and educate for a world without waste from a Maori worldview. We work with over 550 organisations, marae, tribes throughout New Zealand and Repair Cafe Aotearoa, New Zealand, is an amazing organization which we are partnering with. Kia ora! I'm Sarah Pritchett
3: and I'm a sixth generation Pakeha New Zealander. So my first ancestor arrived here on a boat, a waka, a boat from. England in 1840 and the others sort of soon after that in 1853 so I'm very passionate about Aotearoa and I work for Wastemans which is the membership organisation for those involved in the waste and resource recovery industry sector so we have about 1500 members. I'm a sector project manager there and one of the sector groups I run is the product stewardship sector group and under that I've had a right to repair working group where we've advocated for right to repair in Aotearoa and I've joined the repair cafe FA Aotearoa New Zealand committee at the end of last year and I'm an amateur repairer in my own time trying to reupholster furniture and save it from going to landfill.
4: Kia ora, I'm Dr Paul Smith, I'm the product test manager with Consumer New Zealand and I guess that means I'm ultimately responsible for all the product testing and all the product advice that we do at the organisation and deliver to New Zealand consumers. How did you become interested in repair?
0: I grew up in a family that was very creative and musical. So sometimes at night after dinner, we cleared the dinner table and we all brought our projects to the table and just started creating and fixing and mending and helping each other out. And then we had one situation where my dad bought an electrical train set for my brother for Christmas, but it turned out it was actually for him himself. And he just developed it, you know, and it grew and grew, took up about three quarters of the living room and it was placed on four chairs and underneath was all the electrical work. And that was my job. You know, I became the chief electrician. If there was a little accident between two locomotives or something like that, then I was the one who was going to fix this and fix the wires. I think I developed a lot of confidence in doing this. And so if anything is broken in our household, I just think, hey, Let's have a look, take it apart and see how we can fix it.
2: So I grew up in a whānau that was not fiscally wealthy, but wealthy in many ways, always an abundance of food from the garden, abundance of love, happiness, and also knowledge. So I came from a family who really valued knowledge and also public service and our connection to the earth. So some of it was necessity, but a lot of it was just because that's the way that we lived and my grandparents lived. So things like I remember my grandfather, if a drain pipe was broken, he would find something to fix it. So I notoriously remember him having like a plastic Coke bottle. And that was there for probably 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) If shoes were broken, or if clothes were broken, we would just mend them, we would darn socks. So repairing things It's just a natural way for me. And then living in the world we do, which is a world created and designed to create waste and the systems that we're stuck in, I sort of moved away from that a lot because it was easy if my toaster broke to go and buy a new one. And in fact, I didn't really know where to take the toaster to get it fixed that's why Repair Cafe really resonates with me and wanting to just normalise repair for everyone.
3: So growing up in Aotearoa in the 1970s and 1980s, it was normal to repair. New Zealand manufacturing was really protected by tariffs and things like that. So it meant that it was hard to get new things and you basically had to repair things. And we have the same in New Zealand number eight wire mentality, and that comes from being so isolated away from the rest of the world that most people had to repair things with what they had at hand. And a lot of, the times that was number eight fencing wire so that's sort of a tradition here which has changed a lot as Kahurangi said in the 1980s tariffs were removed and sort of cheaper consumer goods became more readily available to the point where we've ended up having a replacement over repair culture But I've always loved old stuff. I also grew up in a family that was really resourceful and minimised waste. But from my teens, I had a thing from the 1950s. And when you like buying old secondhand stuff, you often have to repair it. So that's where my interest in repairing and trying to reupholster furniture has come from. So that forced me last year to learn how to reupholster so that I could actually use the old furniture and save it from being thrown out.
4: I'm a design engineer. I've worked in various consumer product industries, automotive, furniture, and some high-tech products. And one thing that I've learned from all of that is that products should be things that we love that we love to own, we love to use, and we love to care about. It's painful to see a lot of the consumer product industry shift away from that and become very much a fast industry where products become disposable. And that's got to change. It can't continue. And hopefully what we're doing is contributing to making that change.
1: Wonderful. I feel like those different kind of slightly different routes will really resonate with the restart community over here. Like those are the sorts of things that I hear from people all over the world. Actually, it's always really lovely to hear the answer to that question. How did Repair Cafe Aotearoa New Zealand come about and what are the goals of the network?
0: Repair Cafe Aotearoa New Zealand grew out of Repair Cafe Auckland, which was in place between 2016 and 2019 with a waste minimization innovation fund from the government. And when these funds ceased and the coordinator moved to the South Island and also COVID arrived on our shores, that's when the steering committee really shrunk down to three people. And we had a good conversation and we decided we would try to share resources and go nationwide. The community was really responsive and within nine months, we've doubled the number of repair cafes within Aotearoa New Zealand and there are many, many more who are keen to set up. Currently, 34 repair cafes in Aotearoa are registered. Now, our goal is really to develop a culture of repair among the community, but also businesses and government agencies within Aotearoa New Zealand and to promote repair intercultural and intergenerational community building, waste reduction, and waste education, as well as repair education. So making Repair Cafe management easy and a supportive experience is our main goal as a nationwide organization. So we are not only focused on repair cafes, we actually have embraced the whole repair community within Aotearoa. So we're working together with many organisations and we're also actively supporting the right to repair movement in Aotearoa. So we are open to developing organically, really, as an organisation by responding to community need and culturally informed implementation of the repair cafes.
1: What is the repair landscape like in Aotearoa and what kind of community existed before you launched Repair Cafe Aotearoa New Zealand?
0: As Sarah sort of indicated, you know, this is really the land of the number eight wire, creativity, ingenuity, and uh, people tend to collect things as well. Now, I may need this sometime, you know, and maybe there's a part that can be used for something else. So this is kind of like, um, in some way, still a culture where we just need to be very resourceful because we are very few people across quite a large landscape. And so you may not have access to parts or resources or the means or funds you know, to buy any new items. So I think we are actually a culture where creativity and ingenuity has been fostered. Although, of course, you know, now we have been exposed to the throwaway culture, which is an easy way of going about things. So that's where we have the big waste sector.
1: You aim to work with Maori communities and organisations as the network is being built and everyone is using Aotearoa and New Zealand in the name. Why is this work so important to you and how do you actively do this?
2: Yeah, big question. So I'll break it down. In New Zealand, just a little history lesson here in 1840, the Tiriti of Waitangi was signed between a collective of Māori chiefs and the Crown. And this treaty wasn't on it. And so, you know, all the effects of colonisation and da-da-da-da-da, not going to get into it, but look it up. It's always good to learn about colonisation, people. What happened in that was some laws were made that moved Māori away from being able to practice and live life in the culture that was handed down through sacred generations. And so part of that is this connection between Ranginui and Papatuanuku. So that's our sky father and our earth mother. And actually knowing that we need to live within reciprocity and within the circle of life. And nowadays we hear about circular economies and circular systems, and that's actually just the way that we lived for so long. And so repair is part of that, right? It's part of a circular economy. It's part of living by our values and respecting our genealogy back to the earth. And so going back to the o Waitangi, that is a sacred document that basically was founded on the values of partnership, participation and protection. So a true partnership between Indigenous people and the rest of the people in Aotearoa. Participation, so having us at the table, so that's what we're doing here. Having Parakori as a true partner to Repair Cafe Aotearoa New Zealand. And then protection, what is our legacy? What is the legacy we're leaving behind for future generations? And so fast forward from 1840 to 2022, that's why it is so important that we've learned so much as a nation and we are here to honour Te Tiriti. And so that's the intention of Repair Cafe Aotearoa in New Zealand is to have this partnership, which means meeting Maori people where they are and looking at the needs and saying, hey, we've got this amazing model. How will it work for you? And we want to support you to normalise repairing, which lots of Maori communities already do lots of marginalized people do out of necessity anyway so it's about community which also is the values which Maori communities live by we have different values of tanga, so that's caring for each other and the environment whakapapa like I said to our sky father and our earth mother kaitiakitanga which is guardianship Maramatanga, which is elevating our minds so when we know better, we do better. And rangatiratanga, which is sovereignty and taking control of our own lives and living by our values. So
1: that's what we want to do. Brilliant. And if anybody needs to read up about colonisation, it's British listeners. Because, yeah, it doesn't confront us as much as it should in this country. It started here, but yet we don't have to look at it. And so it's really important for people in the UK to look it up and to know this stuff.
2: I truly believe that anybody who looks into the effects of colonisation will be moved and will have empathy and start to, like I talked about, elevate in a way that looks at systems that are made to keep some people up and some people down. And also just the effects personally on all sides. We believe in kanohi kite kanohi, so that is face-to-face. We're not above or below and it goes to nature as well. And when we build our empathy for each other, for taonga, natural flora and fauna, then things like repairing and moving to the top of the waste hierarchy just come naturally.
1: Absolutely. And can you tell us an example of the Aotearoa New Zealand repair community that you're particularly proud of?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm proud of everybody. We've been living in this time of COVID, so we've pivoted so much to being online and trialling online mending stations and online communities. There have been a few in-person repair cafes that have happened recently. And I live in Ōtautahi Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand. And there is an amazing community at the Rich Community Garden, the Repair Cafe, or they call it the Repair Revolution here in Christchurch. (laughs) I've been to a few and where it actually is, is in the red zone of Christchurch. So Christchurch has had a few tragedies happen over the last 10, 15 years with the Christchurch earthquakes in 2011. And then, of course, the Christchurch mosque massacre in 2019. And why I bring that up is because the sense of community that was created through tragedy really shows in this city. And the repair cafe or the repair revolution is in the red zone, which is where thousands of people were displaced and their homes were destroyed. So this is where this joy and something beautiful has come out from the rubble. You see the community come together, repairing each other's things and working to this collective goal of reconnecting with each other, but also with the environment. And Sarah was there too.
3: After the mosque terrorist attack I felt compelled to do something and I volunteered to work with the Red Cross to help resettle refugees in Autotahi. So I was matched with a family from Afghanistan who'd lived in Iran as refugees One of the daughters is a really good sewer So the last repair cafe we had in Ototahi I asked her if she'd like to come along and help and use my sewing machine So her and her mother came along and they were sewers for the night which I thought was really wonderful connecting into the Muslim community in Autotahi, It's been hard for the Muslim community in Aotearoa because although people of Muslim faith have been here since the 1800s, they haven't been very visible and obviously they haven't always been welcomed with open arms. So I thought it was really lovely having Fatima and Minna there and being part of that. Very amazing community of repairers who are just so welcoming and it was great on both sides.
0: What RCINZ can be proud of and in fact is very grateful for is the movement that has started in a year of the pandemic. It's just incredible how the community came together and repair cafes that already existed were revitalized and new repair cafes started and there are more to come. So it just created a really beautiful, supportive, engaging repair spirit within Aotearoa.
1: As well as connecting people through repair, you also lobby for product stewardship. Can you tell us more about what this means?
3: Yeah, sure. So we advocate for both right to repair measures and for regulated product stewardship. So in Aotearoa, we've had the legislation that enables regulated product stewardship to happen since 2008, since the Waste Minimisation Act came into force. But it wasn't until 2019 that that lever was pulled, so to speak, by the then Associate Minister for the Environment, Eugenie Sage, who's a Green Party MP. And she declared six priority products, and one of them was electronic waste so that meant that a product stewardship scheme had to be designed for it and that process began last year. In New Zealand the government has a preference for co design, which means it's led by industry. So it's up to someone in the industry. So it was led by a e waste recycler organisation. Kahurangi and myself and Paul were on the co-design advisory group which meant we got to give advice on the proposed scheme throughout the process. A lot of us on the group really advocated very strongly for including incentives to repair and reuse, not just having a default to glorified recycling. So one of the benefits of not having had much action in terms of regulated product stewardship in Aotearoa is that we're able to learn from what others haven't done. Lots of schemes overseas have just focused on recycling targets, but here we've made sure through advocacy that there will be the ability for repairers and refurbishers to access the fee that's put on each product when it comes onto the market. That should therefore incentivise things like repair and refurbishment and make it cheaper and easier for people to get their things repaired, and then along with with some right to repair measures, which were sort of floated in a Ministry for the Environment consultation document at the end of last year. If those right to repair measures go through and if the product stewardship scheme for e-waste comes through with a very strong focus on repair and reuse, then hopefully eventually repair will be the default over replacement and it will influence product design so that things are made to be repairable and
1: made to be durable. Can you tell us about the petition that you've set up? So what we are
0: calling the government to do is to pass laws that require products to last longer and be easier to repair, take action to make repair services accessible and affordable for everyone, ensure consumers have access to information on product repairability and durability, and require producers to offer spare parts and repair services. These are the specifics that we are asking in the petition, which probably align with your petition as well and many others across Europe and the states. The petition is run through the Greenpeace Community Forum and our intention is to deliver the petition to Parliament sometime in the first half of this year. So we have collaborated with Consumer New Zealand and many other organisations and we also have an open letter that organisations can sign with their logo and signature. So there are many opportunities for people to come on board.
1: We'll put links to the petition and all of those details in the show notes. Tell us about your partnership with Consumer New Zealand. It is rare that we see consumer organisations actively supporting community repair initiatives, so it is wonderful to see.
4: As Consumer New Zealand, the consumer group, we're all for community repair and supporting community repair initiatives because we don't see ourselves as a out there, overarching organisation talking to consumers. We're all in this together and we're all a small group of people trying to work together and hopefully encourage the industry in New Zealand to produce more durable products and make them more available to people. I guess we see ourselves as a megaphone for individuals where a lot of people might find that they have an issue with a product and they want the product to be better but as one person they can't make that happen. So I think our role in this is to use our weight as an organisation to draw those sort of voices together, add our own to it and hopefully start to see some improvements.
1: Last year, following many similar moves in Europe, Consumer New Zealand added a mobile phone repairability index to their product assessment. How's that been going?
4: Yes, well we added the French mobile phone repairability index data to our product advice last year. We test mobile phones in collaboration with some of the other consumer organisations in Europe because the models that are available in Europe are the same models that are available here. They're a global product. So we found that the French data actually applied to most of the models we have here, which is a good start. The problem with it, of course, is that it's not localised. So we get auditors like some of the repair manuals may be available in French, but not available in English, or even more relevant that the spare parts that might be available in Europe aren't available in New Zealand and through our importers and distributors. So one of the plans we've got is to extend it to other products, but also to localise it and try and account for that. So there's a bit of work there for us to do. But it's been well received. We've got quite a bit of media coverage for it, and it's really taken it on from there for us. And this is all part of us shifting our product advice and testing in general from what works well when you get it out of the box to what is going to be durable and works well for a lifetime and that's a significant shift in our product advice in general. You mentioned
1: that you want to see repair embedded in education networks. What do you mean by this and why do you think that education is crucial to push repair further? I think
0: education is a very powerful tool and also the right to education across cultures With Repair Cafe Aotearoa, we're actually in the process of setting up a website that is going to be multilingual because it is important to us that we provide a forum that is accessible to the various cultures and people that live in Aotearoa. It's also empowering. For example, you could include in the curriculum repair and tinkering, right? Why not? Okay, And we already have some programs of this kind, and we just need to expand on it and make it more as part of the culture, also you know, embedded in the circular economy concept, which is something that Aotearoa is aiming to have implemented in 2015.
1: Great. It's really interesting hearing all of these different things. They are things that are happening in the UK, similar sort of movements are happening there and also in Americas and in Europe and all over the world. People are coming to the same conclusions. So they must be the right ones, right? Uh, If we're all coming to the same conclusions. What is your long-term vision, Where do you want to see repair in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and do you hope to collaborate internationally?
4: Where's repair going in New Zealand? I think it's a case of us starting to see this mindset changing from products being disposable to products being something that should be repairable. And I'd like to see that become a system-wide mindset, if you will. So manufacturers and retailers see repair as the default option. So when the products become faulty, which they always will, repair is the number one solution to that fault. And from there we will grow the ability and the skills for consumers to make their own repairs, to find parts, to find parts at a reasonable cost. And for those repairs that they can't do themselves, they can tap into an extensive independent repair network that starts to develop. That's ultimately what I'd like to see.
3: I'd like to see right to repair measures or thinking applied to more than just electronic products. So for me, it's all about furniture. We have lots of furniture that's made out of really cheap materials such as MDF or particle board. There's not any fast fashion, there's fast furniture, and they're not necessarily made to be repaired. Things like MDF and particle board, they don't age well, and a lot of office furniture, a lot of New Zealand-made furniture is made from these materials as well, and it just basically ends up going to landfill. So I'd really like to see that thinking applied to other products as well as electronic products and I'd also like to see the positive impact of repair culture on mental health because I think it's not been talked about enough I don't think and obviously there's a lot of satisfaction that we get from repairing things doing things with our own hands and um, seeing the result I mean if we could replace the activity of shopping in malls with people repairing their own things I'm sure we'd have a lot better mental health throughout many countries
2: so my vision for repair worldwide and within Aotearoa is that repair is just normal. We are a world full of artisans who value quality over quantity. Fast fashion isn't a thing. Designed obsolescence is illegal. We have to value the whakapapa of our stuff. So the genealogy of our stuff. What is the whakapapa of the shirt that I'm wearing? What is it made from? Where do the materials come from? Whose hands and time were taken to create it? So when I get a rip in it or a stain, I think, oh, think of all the people who made this shirt from Papatuanuku A'u earth mother giving us those natural gifts of cotton to the people that sewed the cotton fields to the natural dyes that we use to make it a stain that's nothing it's an opportunity to make it even more beautiful either through sewing a patch onto it or painting something onto it or repairing it everything is so valued that There is no way that it would possibly be just thrown out and discarded. It's
1: a really beautiful way of thinking about it. And I'm going to try and incorporate that into my approach and thinking, although I have to avoid being too appropriative in doing so.
0: The long-term vision is that repair is just becomes the norm, just part of society and our understanding and the way we live. And actually, we used to live like this. So it is possible, right? And our grandparents can tell us about this. And we often have beautiful volunteer repairers that can tell stories and they still have the skills, you know, and this passing on those skills. It's just wonderful. So if we all become more knowledgeable and also capable of repairing and have the concept of moving away from the throwaway society and really treasuring what we have and honouring also Papatounoku Mother Earth, you know, the resources we take no, from Mother Earth and just be mindful, you know, what we use and how we use it. And of course, yeah, we are very interested in collaborating internationally. And this is a wonderful opportunity with the Restart Project. So uh, it's very exciting. We hope to continue this collaboration and this relationship.
1: It's wonderful to learn about the cultural history of repair in Aotearoa and the way that this relates to an understanding of a connection with the Earth. Despite how geographically far apart we might be, the beliefs, values and goals of repair movements and communities all over the world align in so many ways. We have so much that we share with each other, and so much that we can share with each other. It's also really exciting to hear from such a range of voices and see evidence of different groups working together all over Aotearoa, New Zealand, towards common aims and common goals. This mix of community repair, consumer organisations and waste organisations is something that we can learn a lot from when it comes to influencing policy and creating change. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM, and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website, and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the Restart Project. Org, where we've also set up a fundraiser. So if you've enjoyed this episode, do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sounds. And big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Holly, who did the research and planning for this episode. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.